Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Seahawks fans, wherever you may be, welcome back for another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alpstead, and co-host, sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Seahawks fans, welcome back to another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Alfred, sitting down with Keith Myers. We're talking uh, week two, almost now week three of Seahawks training camp. Um, welcome in, man. How's it going? Yeah, uh, it's going well. It's um, a fun time of year just to see the um, practices out there. They haven't really started hitting yet. That kind of starts today, but... Um, they're out there they're working out it's been it's been a fun week so yeah i'm having a hard time because not seeing anything and just seeing reports um is is a bit frustrating i'm not in the seattle area i can't get up there and and get to practices easy and so relying on some other people to kind of have some some input on uh what's going on is is just a bit frustrating just because and then and add to that the fact they haven't had pads on yet they're just glorifying working out essentially running through some stuff doing some drills uh doing some seven on seven things uh some you know some red zone things but it really doesn't mean anything so what you're seeing out there is you know sometimes everyone look looks sharp sometimes somebody has a bad day it gets kind of blown up a little bit um but i i just find the whole process interesting i i'm like you i love this time of year it really kind of eases you into um the season a little bit maybe it it lasts too long but you know to the players it goes by in a snap um but to us we just want to get to the games um and that's that seems like it's quite a ways off but we are going to get to a um preseason game on the 13th against the the Steelers that's coming up 
in a couple of weeks. So welcome in. Tell me what your thoughts are on the DK Medcalf thing. Like, you know, oh, that played out that. basically. Yeah, it played out kind of basically what we the way that we thought it would in the offseason. And um, they were able to get it done. Yeah. So it did. Um, it did continue a tradition for this show where you and I sit down, we break down something that we expect to see and somewhere between recording and publishing it happens. So the moment we hit publish, it's already outdated. Um, yes. it, it would happen with uh, Chris Carson um, getting uh, let go. And now it happened here. We spent some time talking about Metcalf and what we expected to see. And then like, two hours after we got done right. recording he signed the deal <laughs> so yeah i was and um, i was hustling to get the, the show out anyway and um i couldn't do it in time yeah i mean Funny. it's a um it is it, it is a tradition for us to um to seemingly yeah yeah we break the news before <laughs> it actually happens without saying anything ahead of time yeah, yeah we just break it by recording a show and if we record a show and talk about something like that it typically happens before between when we're done recording and when we actually get the show um on the air so and one of these um, days we do we do have the ability to do live shows i we will do. say i will say that and we technically do live shows anyway because we don't edit so yeah. maybe we, don't we edit. should just hit we should just hit the live button once in a while and nail nail some of these things as they're happening um so break this thing down for me it actually was lightly surprising it was on the low end for me both in years and in value um what did you think well i mean it's it it is exactly what i thought it to be um as far as the um you know average salary was 24 million um, and i thought it would just, be closer to 26 and i think and, 24, and I also 24 thought, to 25 was about right but you know, we're still talking about a small percentage here um true, three true, years true. the reason so it's it's a lesser total money than i think you and i because you and i were looking at a um, hundred million um over four years and said it's you know 75 over three um 72 over three i know yeah, but yeah, I'm, I'm, like, I'm rounding um sure and, and so it, it's the same idea but it's just a shorter contract and i think that might have been what the sticking point and why it took a couple extra days uh was to because the Seahawks wanted him for that extra year and he wanted to hit free agency when he was still 27. Yes. Cause we got to remember he came in super young. Um, the three years that he's going to be on this new deal, he's going to be 25, 26 and 27. Now there is another year when he's 28 to 2025 here. Um, it looks like that year when it originally was reported that it might be a, um like a void year but it's not uh it's just structured in a way where he's probably not going to play on that deal and they'll have to have to work out something before that year and get him um a new contract so yeah the cap hits are, are pretty easy i mean 8.8 .8 million this year um 13.7 million next year and then mm -hmm. it jumps 24.4 in 2024 and 29.5 in 2025. And you're you're right. That looks like a restructure type of year yep. or an extension of some sort. Uh, or he may elect to just move on depending on how the team does in the next few years uh, with the quarterback situation, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, and, and you're right. That hitting a free agency contract at age 27, it'll be his 28, uh, turn 28 in season that year. Um, that's prime time. 
that's prime time for him. So um, we'll see what happens. This probably looks like a tremendous bargain in uh, three years' time. I would oh, imagine. absolutely, it does. And then the other part of that for him, though, is like this is a payday. This is he's like what is he the third highest paid receiver in the NFL? He got a I believe. thirty-one million dollar signing bonus. Yeah. On the on the day he signed the contract, he received all of that money. Yep. So and that the total, was the largest payout ever for yep. a wide receiver. In the total the total guarantees of the deal was fifty eight point two million. Um which is substantial out of seventy two. I mean, that's that's almost fully guaranteed, essentially. Yeah. It's it's just a lot of guaranteed money there for him. And he this this isn't his sign a contract during the prime of his career moment that's the next one yeah this is his i'm still building because i'm only 24 um contract that's crazy a lot of guys amazing to me a lot of guys get drafted at 23 24 um he's completed his rookie contract minus a year but he, he signed this deal um and he's already getting this contract it, it just yes. it boggles the mind how good this kid is this young. I agree. I agree. He's he's a master at his position, and he's 24 years old. Yep. And I think he's just going to get better. Um, you know, the nuances of, of the position and so forth. I'm not exactly sure what's going to happen at the quarterback position this year to help him out. Um, but we'll we'll see. We'll find out. I think he's going to get plenty of opportunity, plenty of balls, maybe not stretch the field balls like he's been accustomed to all the time, but maybe that actually works out better for him in the long run where he's asked to um, get open, um, create space, do some mm-hmm. slants um, over, the, over the middle, the yeah. all that kind of stuff, and gives him a chance after the catch to really kind of show a different side of his game, which is there. He just hasn't had a chance to do it. Well, and one of the things, I mean, Russell Wilson was never good at throwing the ball over the middle. Um, there was a chunk of the field that the team didn't use because uh, Wilson was great throwing to the to the boundaries and throwing it deep and and that kind of stuff, but he wasn't good over the middle. And so, without Wilson and with a new quarterback, even though the quarterbacks are going to be um, substantially inferior to Wilson overall, there is more field to work with, and so they can use him in different ways. Where yeah, run him on some drag routes or some crossing patterns and and um, get him open with the chance to run uh and in more of an intermediate distance yeah there could be some there can be some, a lot of yards after the catch uh for him this year and the team's going to need him to do that i would imagine his yards after catch goes up by a couple yards per per attempt yeah um just because of that really um, well, it comes to, i mean the seahawks have always been one of the last teams like one of the bottom teams in yards after the catch um and you know, with when, when Wilson was here, because a lot of those those plays were deep downfield, and they're right. caught in the end zone, so there's none, or they're caught for a big play, but then you know pushed out of bounds, so there's like half a yard or whatever. Um, there's very little yard after the catch in the way the offense was run before, and I think that's going to change this year. Where we get a lot of drastically. Yeah, you're going to see a lot of getting the ball out quick, getting the ball into a receiver's hands, and giving them the opportunity to get five or six yards um, after the catch by design on a lot of different plays. So I'd like to get to the quarterback stuff, um, but I want to do it in a little bit. 
So let's get back to that conversation because I think it's going to be a unique conversation to have. So I want to mention Jamal Adams. Um, mm -hmm. Turns out first day of practice, he breaks his finger. Nobody really knows about it. Um, got a cot in a jersey. Uh, Pete Carroll comes out at a press conference the next day and says, uh, you know, question is, where's Jamal? And he's like, well, Jamal had this little thing with his hand. He's flying to, you know, L.A. to, to see a specialist for an opinion. Uh, and and everyone's just kind of going, oh, my goodness, what's the deal again? He's injured. Is he going to have to have surgery? How much time is he going to miss? Turns out didn't have to have surgery, came back in a cast. Um, and, and two days later, he's in the, he's in practice um, causing havoc. So that was kind of a close call for the team. What are your thoughts around Jamal Adams? Well, I mean, so he's had this thing ever since he's joined the Seahawks. And I don't know if it was true um, with the Jets. But I know the whole time he's been with Seattle, he's had problem with his fingers dislocating. And so they have been popping in and out on him. It's painful. Yeah. Um, it's been a problem. He had surgery over the offseason to try and correct that. Um, and so when he hurt his hand, it was thought, I'm like, okay, well, he had surgery on that particular hand. Um, it might have been something to do with that. And they were worried about that. And so he went and had it looked at. No, nah, it turned out it just broke a finger. Um, put a cast on it, get out there and play. And yeah. I, and the fact that he gets out there and plays is part of the reason why uh, he's Jamal Adams. He's not going to let you know a finger injury stop him. I mean, he's he's had fingers get popped out of socket. He pops them back in and runs back on the field. Right. Um, and we saw and, Rashad Penny a, a couple of years ago do the opposite. Well, where yeah. Rashad Penny hurt a, hurt a hand or a finger and missed like two weeks of practice or something. Yeah, his was it was different. He couldn't get it back in, and it took. Uh, a specialist in order to reset it and there was a, there was some extra damage but um but yeah i mean we know that jamal adams is like a warrior he's going to play through these kind of things and that's you know part of the reason why uh his teammates love him and that kind of stuff but it is it is a little worrisome that it's just it's just a lot of injuries on one body yeah. i i just i identify with jamal i was that that player when i was playing um, I just get my fingers caught in jerseys. I, you know, I hit somebody hard and it might, you know, dislocations. I probably had six, seven, eight dislocations in my fingers and a couple breaks just in you know, a couple of years, mm -hmm. senior type seasons. And, ugh. but, um, I think he's going to be fine. He's going to be fine. Oh, yeah. I'm fine. just going to say it out loud right now. Make it happen. Yeah. All right. So one of the weirdest things, in fact, you just reminded me of this right before we pushed record was. J.R. Sweezy, uh, I haven't heard that name for a while, signed a one-day contract with the Seattle Seahawks to retire as a Seahawk. What? What? I mean, okay, so he went from being a defensive lineman to a Pro Bowl guard um, in Seattle. So there's a little bit of that. It was kind of home for a while. Uh, the team decided to move on and... Um, he went to Arizona. He played for in Arizona more longer than he played in Seattle. I have to admit, it, we we missed him a little bit when he when he right when he moved because that was the the part where where Britt was kind of coming along mm -hmm. and um, kind of trying to replace him and just wasn't doing a very good job. And they ended up moving it, yeah. moving Britt to center, which worked out okay. But the Sweezy thing was is kind of interesting because I think he was good here for what three maybe four years. Moved on. I think he's played longer out and about uh, than he played as a Seahawk. And, you know, good for him. I mean, he wants to come back. The team did him right, signed him, 
and um, he retires as a Seahawk. He's not going on the wall of, you know, Hall of Fame or anything like that. He just wants to retire as a Seahawk. But it, the interesting thing is it came one or two days after K.J. Wright did the same thing. Uh, so I found that kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean, with Sweezy, like, <clears throat> it's all about relationships, right? So he moved on, played in Arizona and all of that. But um, it sounds like he maintained relationships with people in the building and not just players, but coaches and guys in the front office. And and yes, he's playing for another team, but he was very grateful for Seattle for getting him into the league, teaching him how to play, giving him an opportunity to go earn some good money elsewhere. Um, and he just felt like it was the right thing was for him to go out as a Seahawk, go out with the same team that he came in on. Yeah. And honestly, he... And you don't hear he was, about that very often, Keith. No, this is not something yeah, no. that happens more than once, maybe a year, maybe. Yeah, yeah. So, so. He, this this is a guy who's who was good. I mean, he was a um, just the absolute most mauler of a run blocker. Not great in pass protection, but a mauler as a run blocker, and um, was good. And he was a defensive lineman. He was not a guard. He was not an offensive lineman until this was a Tom Cable project. Yes. And unfortunately, this set the tone for so many other failed Tom Cable projects (laughs) that ultimately um, cost the Seahawks a second Super Bowl. It cost the Seahawks maybe a third Super Bowl. Um, And that's not putting that on Sweezy. He did his job and did it great. But it inflated Tom Cable's ego to a point where he felt that he could put anybody out there um, and they would do fine. And it was a disaster. The fact that we were able to keep Russell Wilson um, here in Seattle as long as we did, given the disaster that was Tom Cable, um, is kind of surprising. But, yeah, I mean, um, <laughs> yeah. if Sweezy had been just a little less good, the team might have been better off in the long term. Yeah, that's funny. Too. <laughs> I know. Uh, it, I know what for you mean. It, any listeners that that didn't um, read my stuff when I was writing um, should uh, know that I have this um, unrational hatred of everything Tom Cable. So when I'm given an opportunity to say something like super negative about him, I'm probably going to take it. Um, and I, it, it's not personal. I just really really don't like the guy um and i think he's bad at his job so have fun with that (laughs) so let's 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 change course let's go to somebody who's good with his job but uh but contracted COVID. pete carroll (sighs) yeah has has the has the vid and um he's he's at home watching practice video and Mm -hmm. um isolating yep and so we'll see He's got to be out probably at least five days or something like that, and um, we'll see what happens. Sometimes some symptoms last longer than that. Sometimes you're still positive uh, longer than that, and so. But they the team does need him out there, and, and one of the reasons why I think they need him, more or less, is to help make decisions around this this uh, quarterback situation. To so the way that it's playing out to me, and and correct me if I'm wrong or if you have another interpretation, but Geno Smith's, you know inserted as the starter going into camp all off season going into camp he's a starter he's mm-hmm. taking reps with the number one unit uh so far he's taken all but five reps uh with the number one um offensive unit and drew lock has has taken second team reps and third team as well and 
the way that that plays out in practice is that usually the defense number ones are going against the offensive number ones. And so uh, Gino has gotten a look against the number one defense and so forth. And that's where that competition is at. As far as Drew Locke is concerned, he's with the twos. He's also facing the twos and threes. So when he's standing out, maybe there's a little caveat with that because he's not facing the, the best competition. Um, but he also doesn't have the best slot of receivers around him. Correct. Right. So. And so let's talk about this for a minute because before the show, we kind of talked about perception and um, different uh, reporters that are reporting on training camp have little, little different ideas of what they're seeing, what it means in the context of, of the larger um, practice and, and where the team's going and so forth. So kind of talk to me a little bit about what you see in, in the competition and um, anything else you're really wanting to bring up. Well, I think we should we should uh, kind of have this conversation about um, reporter bias because there are um, there are different takes on exactly the same drill where one guy That's will come out true. and say, "Oh man, this was just a terrible run by the defense or by the offense. They they couldn't do anything. It was really bad." Um, and another reporter will watch the same thing and say. Yeah, the offense made a couple plays, but the defense really owned owned it, and there were all of these spectacular plays by the defense. So, which was it? Yes. Was it a spectacular play by the defense, or was it really bad play by the offense, or was it a little bit of both? But it's really easy when you expect this offense to be bad, which I do, yes. and I think a bunch of the reporters do, to go in and see like the other day when they had. Um, they were doing uh, a red zone um, drill where they were just, uh, you know, different drives all start in the red zone. Can they get in? And they went 0 for 10 um, and be like, see, the offense is terrible. Right. Um, and, and they lose the fact that the day before. And the quarterbacks also... in particular look horrible and off oh, yeah. and not mm-hmm. worthy of a jersey and, you know. Yeah. The day, the day before they did the same set of, you know, red zone drills. And I think they had five touchdowns um, in there. And, you know, on the day when, when they had zero, I mean, not mentioned in some reporter stuff, but in, in others, you'll see that Nuasu had this like crazy uh, tip and athletic uh, interception and Kobe Bryant made yeah. a couple of like, wow plays and yes. okay. So can like where 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 do we go with this? Because it's it's hard to read these drastically different takes on the same set of yes. of of drills, right? And 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 get a great feel for exactly where the team's at. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major sports action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. 
Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN, make your first deposit, and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code TPPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Especially since, you know, and I'll say this, the, you know, the practices are just not shown. You know, as, as fans, that you, you see the live streaming thing and Seahawks.com and, and so forth, but you're not seeing anything. You're not seeing the drills. You're not seeing the actual players go uh, seven on seven or eleven on eleven or anything. And yeah, because so once they you can't see once for they get yourself. into the team, once they get into the team portion of the um, practice, uh, they turn the feed off, which is when they go live. And if they're on at that time, they literally show people standing on the sideline. Yeah, well, no, they're, they're they're yeah they're live during the um during like the individual drills and the position drills and that kind of stuff. Uh, or maybe like yeah, but they're know, still not showing it. It's crazy. Versus... It's crazy. Yeah, that's but, crazy. But, but what, at the moment they go to um, team workouts where it's seven on seven, eleven on eleven, the feed's off. Yeah, it's gone. Um, yeah. Right. Uh, they don't want to show any of that to. Um, no, it's all fine. It's teams. all. I mean, it is what it is, and it's been like this forever. So I'm not complaining about that. Um, but it is interesting, like you said, there there is a, a little bias there. You know, some reporters. Um, you know, just kind of find the, the the things that are negative and report on those. And, and others look for reasons why something didn't turn out um, mm-hmm. correctly. And, and maybe there was there was something going on on the other side that was that was forcing that issue or whatever. So see, it kind of comes down to, you know, you look at the individual person that's reporting and the two most negative guys, um, Corbin Smith and Sean Michael Duger. Um, Corbin Smith used to be with um sports illustrated i'm not sure who he's with anymore other than his own podcast um and then sean michael dugers with athletic used to with uh Nustrian. um both are really good at what they do they're absolutely um, very knowledgeable guys um you know uh corbin smith was the guy when we did our live show up in seattle yeah. um told us that witherspoon might not make the team even though he looked like the best cornerback in practice every day um like he was plugged in and then like a few days later they traded him to pittsburgh for nothing um and it was that was interesting you know so i mean it's yeah like, and i guys- and, yeah and i i will say that they're they're pros pro i mean corbin's yeah, one of the are. hardest working guys in the business in, C- in seattle mm-hmm. for sure um but you're right when it comes to you know seeing things i think you know you're you're looking at it you know let's just take the quarterbacks for example um it's just hyper focused on the quarterbacks without the context of who are they throwing to what were the coaches looking for in this particular drill what was the defense doing on the other side to make it hard for them um it'd just be kind of nice to have a little bit of that context i know it's difficult and i know that it's um it's -hmm. a hard job to to convey that um but i'd be interested and curious as to because and then you look at guys like Greg Bell or or Bob Condotta, who had just a little bit more of an even-handed take on it. Now I don't know if that's because those guys are just trying to you know give both sides a little bit of credit, or if they actually saw it in a in a different way. Um, it'd be very interesting to get everyone in the same room and and, and kind of hash it out a little bit. Because as fans, we we're you know and and our own show, we're dependent upon some of those reports to give us an idea of where we're at mm-hmm. and based we on everything, everything where we're based on everything that we're hearing where we're at is 
our quarterbacks are completely worthless and we're going to have a horrible year just based on that factor alone. I mean, that's really what I'm hearing out of a couple of camps. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and on the other side, I'm hearing that the defense is outstanding. Kobe Bryant's having a tremendous camp. Nuasu, uh, all the guys are working really hard and making it really hard on the, on the offense. And they're just really ahead. And this defense actually might be better than we're giving them credit for. So, mm -hmm. I mean, there's both of those things and they can both be right. I just yeah. don't know for sure. Yeah, I was I brought up the part about, you know, mentioning the guys because I don't want <clears throat> this isn't a situation like there's a couple of blogs out there that are hyper negative all the time about everything to do with Pete Carroll or John Snyder or anything that they've ever put their hands on. Um and, and so therefore they're going to hate everything. And this these aren't guys that do that. <clears throat> you know, I mean, um they're they're professionals, they're awesome. And but they're they're hyper negative and it makes me really worry. But again, how much of the, how much confirmation bias are we running into? It's really hard to tell. Now, um, Tyler Lockett went on the radio and was asked about it and did the um, thing that you would expect from a player, especially one that's a veteran that um, knows how the game works and just talked up both guys to, um, you know, all over the place was talking about, um, how, you know, Drew Locke's arm and his ability to throw with all these different arm angles and get the ball out to the sidelines, you know, super quickly because of how hard he throws and, um, Geno Smith's like mastery of like all the little nuances. And he just talked the guys up like they were both going to be pro bowlers, um, which I thought was kind of funny, but I mean, that's what you expect from a player, right? Mm -hmm. Um, we, what we know right now is that we don't know anything. And we won't know anything, I think, until um, the mock game that comes yeah. up in a few days. I'll, I have to give Corbin some credit because, you know, when he does see something that's good, he says it. He he compliments players. He highlights, you mm -hmm. know, plays and so forth. So, I you know, I can't really say that he's completely hyper negative and, and with a straight face. I would say that he is accentuating some of the negative stuff but maybe that was the story of the day the story of the day was the quarterbacks underperformed and didn't didn't take the reins mm -hmm. if you will and 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 catapult at least one of them into maybe a clear front runner on on this competition yeah you could look at it that way and and read you know some of the stuff that's coming out from corbin uh in that way as well so um one of the things that um i will say though They've had four practices, and in two of them, the offense couldn't find the end zone. Yeah. No, it's a big at, concern. At all. Yeah. Um, and one of them, they were starting in the red zone on every drive. Right. So we have reason to be very concerned about the state of the offense right and now. And we're not counting the, the running plays here. This is just passing. Yeah, because it's really hard to do anything with running plays because they right. have not. Because they're going to let them go through. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the pads, so the pads don't start until right now. <laughs> so what we what we know, and I'm I'm hearing a little bit, especially from Greg Bell. I think I heard a little bit of this is that now might be the time to see what Drew Locke can do with the number one offense. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm starting to hear that just a little bit. It's like Gino had a really rough day. Um, if this is really a competition, maybe it's. A, give drew lock a chance with the number ones and see what he can do 
Um, mm-hmm. So it wouldn't surprise me if that happens in the next two or three days. I know Pete Carroll's not there. I mentioned that with the COVID thing. Uh, Tater Smith is is running some of the stuff that Pete Carroll has run, but Pete's involved. He's you know he's has conversations multiple times a day. I'm sure as well as watching all the film. So they'll make this this decision with or without Pete Carroll actually on the field. And I think that by the, you know, within the next couple of weeks, Drew Locke is going to get a chance. We'll see what happens. Um, Seahawks activated fifth-round pick Tariq Smith from the pup list. The other uh, three guys that were on it previously, including um, our, our cornerback from last year, is still on there. Um, yep. Yeah. And then let me see. You mentioned Nuasu having the 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 interception. I'm hearing a lot of good things about the defense, just overall, mm-hmm. just individual players coming up and making plays. It's hard, as you said, because the position guys, the the guys that are able to affect the ball. So now Nuasu, he's a linebacker, but nonetheless, he made an interception. You hear about Kobe Bryant a lot. You're hearing about uh, Tyreek Woolen uh, hanging with Marquise, a good one in practice, mm-hmm. uh, the wide receiver. Uh, matching him, you know, step for step and all that kind of stuff. So you, you're hearing a lot about these skilled position player type guys on both offense and defense, but really not a lot about the guys in the trenches. Um, and I know that Clint Hurt came out in a press conference the other day and talked about Shelby Harris and and Brian Monet and Puna Ford, those guys in the middle, um, Quentin Jefferson, Al Woods, uh, being the key to this to this new defense this this new look um and and the guys creating the pressure the the nuasu the taylors the alton robinsons the boya mafes um he talked about the importance of all of those guys to this entire thing and he says you know we just weren't very good last year um and in fact um they were 11th in the league in points allowed but they were 28th in the league in yards allowed um, they also ranked 31st in passing yards allowed and 17 um, in rushing yards allowed. And he expected all of those numbers to improve this year. Well, uh, I hope so, because the defense was genuinely bad last year. Um, and they just could not get off the field. Uh, the number of 19 play drives that they gave up. Um, That's almost not an exaggeration. No, it isn't an exaggeration because the number <laughs> the number is three. Three. They had three nineteen play drives uh, last what? year against them. Yeah, did they really? They. Did. I thought you were. I thought you were kidding. I. I can see fifteen, but nineteen. There wow. were three nineteen. They could not get off the field, um, and so to say, oh well, yeah, we expect everything to be better. Well, it's kind of hard to be worse. Um, and but the truth of it at matter is when you look at this team and, and what's going on, what's going on in practice, the defense is the strength of this team. And that's not a, that's not just because the quarterbacks and the offense are struggling. Right. The, te- the team is built for the defense to be the strength of the team. The cornerbacks, especially, which was this huge question mark. No, oh, um, no question. Yeah. And like the biggest question mark has actually been one of the like brightest spots of training camp so far because the four guys, right, Artie Burns, uh, Sidney Jones, and then the two rookies, Bryant and Woolen, um, have all looked good like yeah kobe kobe bryant want kobe bryant wants to start yes he is pushing yes. hard but pete carroll came out and said it's going to be nearly impossible to unseat sydney jones because yes. one he was a starter before and two he's playing that well in camp as well so um that means it comes down to you know the Artie burns versus kobe bryant uh fight for the other side uh and that's 
good to see because Artie Burns has played well. Artie Burns, um, the, you know, in the last day of practice, which was the first day with Metcalf, he was the guy who who took on, yes. like would would take cuts in line um, on the end on the drills, the one on ones to go up against Metcalf over and over again um, because he wanted that challenge. He wanted and to go Metcalf up against the got, best. Got pissed off. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And and then took on Daryl Taylor uh, in a little scuffle, you know. Yep. So that the defense is definitely frustrating the offense. It and, is. And this time of the year, you're going to get dust ups like that. I don't mind it actually. Um, no, I, and, I love but it's nice to see like you you talked about the defensive back specifically kobe bryant i mean this has to be the, one of the biggest stories in training camp so far uh the emergence of this of this young rookie um challenging for a starting spot is the best case scenario uh mm-hmm. that could come out of the draft and early training camp for the seahawks because this was going to be the question mark but this was also going to be one of the largest competitions in camp as well we, we talked about the offensive line, maybe that third to fifth wide receiver spot. But on the other side of the ball, it was the defensive backs that were going to have a massive yeah. um, tryout to, to find out who was going to start and, and be heavily involved in the rotation. And it sounds like he's right there. Yeah. Um, th- those three guys are, are, are there. And, and Tariq Woolens played really well. Um, you mentioned Marquise Goodwin, the wide receiver. Um track star um it popped into my head when you were talking i'm like wait did i remember him that he was an olympic long jumper yes. or maybe it was an Oli- was it was, well he was, was in the olympics yeah so he but he was a long jumper he was but he was with the track team um i didn't see that's the thing i w- did he go to the olympics or do i just remember that that's not true but if you say so, that it's true i'm gonna run so, keith i think so but i um, it's been it's been years since i've had it's that been years. little bit I mean, of information through- He's 31. He hasn't had a great year since 2017, but the dude has wheels and yes. he's got a lot of um, skill. He's got a lot, a lot of skill, a lot of experience. Yes. And he played with the current wide receivers um, uh, coach who came over from Buffalo. Um, that's where he was last year. So there's, you know, some knowledge about what what's expected of him as far as within the offense and, and from his coaches. And Tariq Woolen has matched up with them and is that guy that can just step for step yes. uh, against the world-class speed. And even when he get, and when he falls behind by a, a step or half a step, he makes it up. Yep, and he's got that that length that it it doesn't really matter. So yes. um, I, I just find that to be, to be fascinating. That group was a huge question mark, and it really feels like this. And Trey Brown's still out. Yeah. And Trey and Brown looked just really to, good. And last just to add to the to the pile of talent there when he comes mm-hmm. back. Yeah, interesting. Wanna, I just want to uh, I take this opportunity to point out just how wrong I was about Trey Brown when he was drafted, because I did not like that draft pick, and he made me eat those words constantly last season until his injury. Um, and I I love it. Like he that was great, and I can't wait for him to get back. It's a it's a rough injury to return from, so I'm not expecting him to be back right away, but. But with the he's group in front of him now, he doesn't need to. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna get a chance to come back, play when he's ready, not be rushed, and go back to being great. And um, suddenly, this is a really nice deep um, position group. So one of the kids that I feel really kind of bad for is D. Eskridge right now. Um, he had an opportunity to be able to come into camp healthy and compete for the number three starting. You know, essentially starting. 
uh, wide receiver spot in this offense and just can't get healthy. Uh, still having a hard time getting on the practice field for what's being called a minor hamstring issue. Um, but how minor can it be if you're going to miss the first full week of, of practice um, and then plus? So um, I don't know. It's I'm, it's a rough deal. That I understand they wanted a weapon, and he's he's kind of that weapon more than a receiver because he can do a bunch of different things. But, man, that draft pick in the second round – Instead of um, instead of Creed Humphrey, the the center, when they desperately needed the center, um, it just continues to look worse and worse. And it's hard because it's like it's injury, and the team can't per- predict that and everything. And I really want. And he could definitely come back. Well. Yeah, yeah, he I, could come I want back and do well. But last year was a lost year. Now he's not can't even get on the practice field um, for training camp. That's too bad. So the last thing I wanted to talk about before we head out of here is the right tackle competition. So Mm -hmm. Charles Cross has got that left side. He's started with the ones since uh, the first play, and he hasn't let that thing go. But on the right side, it's a little interesting to me because Stone Forthside has kind of come in and and uh, has been a third name that we kind of – we mentioned a few times in the offseason, but we really didn't know that it was going to be – he was going to actually have an opportunity to compete. So, so far, it's been Jake Kern and Stone Forsyth alternating days with the ones. Mm-hmm. And it, it's been Abel Lucas, who's remained with the twos so far. Uh, but it's still early. But I'm I'm almost encouraged by this in the fact that Jake Curran and Stone Forsyth are battling really neck and neck here. Um, because we just didn't see any of Stone Forsyth last year. We heard that he was a, a you know, a, a decent tackle. Um, maybe fell in the draft for for a few different reasons and now after a year of seasoning and strength building uh in the off season he's come in and 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 shown to be ready to compete for for a spot which is great i mean (laughs) those are two drastically different players um because jake curran is just a road grader who moves moves people um you know, 300 pounders have a hard time resisting his push. Um, but his feet are slow and he's not a great uh, pass blocker. Um, Forsyth is the opposite. He's got nice, quick feet, really hard to get around on the corner, changes direction well. He's six foot nine. But two, doesn't, yeah, he 300, doesn't. 330 pounds or whatever. He can't, because he's six foot nine. He has a really hard time getting his pads underneath that of the defender. He loses leverage um, and therefore doesn't get pushed in the running game. And so you end up with two drastically different guys. Um, It's great to see Stoneforth Scythe in there because that means that his development has been solid. And we have a great um, backup at left tackle. Um, you yes. know what I mean? To, to have and right a tackle if, if needed. Yeah. Um, I actually, I still don't think that this is a true competition where he's involved. I think this is about developing him into a swing tackle that can play both positions. Um, because if it was a true competition, then you'd see um, like Abe Lucas moved over to the left side. So that way those two guys could all, you know, one of them with the ones, one of them with the twos and switch back and forth. But you haven't. You've seen Abe Lucas with the twos the entire time, and Stone Forsyth 
is moving back and forth between the left side and the right side um, when he switches. I've also so. heard this this rumor. Um, I can't remember who came out. I don't know if it was um, Corbin Smith or or somebody else. Um, with the idea that the team might be looking at an opportunity, possibly to move Jake Curran inside. Um, yeah, and That's Stone Forsythe would then get some get those reps outside and be ready yep. to go if they decided to do that. Yeah, I mean Jake Curran. Um, is a little but, tall to be guard, but man, he, uh, other than that, he could be a good guard. I mean, he's got, he, he's a athletically, he's kind of a better fit at guard than at tackle, but he's so good on the outside as a run blocker that, you know, you kind of want to leave him there too. Uh, but then we have know, the inside taken care of right now. Yeah. We have, we have both the starters on the inside, but you know, imagine if you have a situation where maybe you move Lewis to center. And um, let Curran go inside and play guard, and uh, have Forsyth slash Lucas as your right tackle. I mean, trying to get your best five on the field. Yes, right. Time. Yeah, and and the you're right, and you kind of paint it um, in the direction of the diversity, um, Mm -hmm. which is kind of the the larger conversation here. We haven't had a very diverse offensive line for for quite a while. Mm And the diversity now that we have with the talent um, could be in the makings of being one of the best offensive line we've had since Pete Carroll came. Yeah, really. Over the last um, over the last three off seasons, they've added, um, you know, they drafted four players that are um, starting caliber. They've traded for um, Gabe Jackson and. Um, you know, they ended up getting Jake Curran as an undrafted free agent. I mean, they've done a good job of acquiring talent on the offensive line and coaching them up, which is something they haven't done for most of Pete Carroll's tenure here. The offensive line was kind of this one area that was always kind of neglected and didn't do well. And I know so much of that was Tom Cable. Um, But yeah, I mean, they. I like this group. I, I really like this group. It's really young. I'm concerned a little bit about how young they are at tackle and and that kind of stuff. This is just very few veterans in the room. Um, yeah, you know, it seems like we're not going to make the playoffs this year or go to the Super Bowl, Keith. So this might be the time to develop mm-hmm. the yeah. offense. Well, no, it's line. all about development. It's but it's more of you know what are you seeing in the film room? What are those kind of things doing? Having the veteran presence, having the that knowledge base. Um, is useful because the only veterans on the offensive line are Blythe and and um, Jackson. Jackson. Yeah, and, and Lewis has you know had two full years of, of playing experience. Yeah, interesting, um, fun, interesting. This should be a a, a really good week. The pads start uh, to come out uh, today yep. in practice. Uh, today mm-hmm. is Tuesday, um, and then the I think the mock game here is coming up in a few days um so that'll be uh nice to to hear some reports about that and then the first preseason game is 13th against the pittsburgh steelers and uh, we'll find out where we're at so 13 less than two weeks away from the first two weeks the first time that um they're out there playing yeah and it'll be long overdue for me it's it's oh, time yeah. that we start seeing some stuff on the field yep. 
And it'll be two teams, um, two teams that have no idea what's going on at quarterback. Because <laughs> Pittsburgh's I mean, in Pittsburgh's in a very similar situation as Seattle. And now they've got younger players that um, are perceived to have more talent overall, but yeah, it's um, they don't know what's going on at quarterback either. So yeah. we'll see what happens. I'm not even I'm not even worried about those guys. Really, I'm just interested in finding out where we. Oh, that's out. what the preseason's for. Yeah, but I'm just, I'm just you know, throwing out there a little intrigue. Four quarterbacks, Fine. none of them really starter worthy, <laughs> all playing between on two teams. It's going to be a splash for them. Anything else? No, I think we're good. Let's get out of here. Find Keith on Twitter. I'm Myers NFL. You can find me at NWC Hot Subscribe, share, all that good stuff. Until next time, go Hawks. Go Hawks. Seahawks Playbook Podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter. Bill is at NWSeahawk. Keith is at Myers NFL. And the show is at Hawks Playbook. You can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com. Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.